Welcome to the Agency Rocket Show, where we discuss creative, business, growth, and honestly, just the general chaos of running a creative business. And it's definitely owned by two very spicy ladies. I'm Chelsea Poppins. In our latest episode, our very first episode, actually, we introduced the goal of this podcast. We introduced ourselves, um, Date Cloud Studios, and how our partnership came to be. Um, in this episode, we plan to discuss the juicy topic of bad agency practices and what lessons we learned in our mistakes um, and successes throughout that time. We have Megan Tamanis here with us today, our wise owl and agency expert. She's currently works for Daycloud Studios and has multi-agency experience and therefore has seen it all, experienced it all, and we're happy to have her today. Hey, awesome. Megan. Hi. I'm so happy to be here, you but I'm also happy to be here. Chelsea, you definitely took my line. Half of those were my lines. Oh, you're true. You're very true. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just we're sitting so over here like an idiot. Drinking your, <laughs> drinking your juice. Drinking my zebras. <laughs> With my eyeball twitching out of my face. Ugh, well, it'll stress. give us a little bit of grace. We're still working on the handoff. Oh. Cool, cool. Well, anyway, we have Megan and it's beautiful and she's beautiful and we're so excited to have her here. Good to be here. Yeah. Good to take some time to chat with you ladies. Heck yeah. I'm excited to hear all your juicy, juicy stories. and <laughs> all, some all good of ones. I bet. Well, I don't I don't know if I, we'll see, we'll see where it goes today. I, I, I just wrote down some things, but, um, yeah, it was also lots of, lots of stories. This might be like a four-parter. That's cool. We got lots of time. Well, give us a little background of you as a designer, um, where you started, sure. where you are now and some of the places that you've worked or maybe don't name drop the places that you worked, but maybe yeah, like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't name names. I have definitely been around the block. I, um, have been designing for, I think, I think it's almost 20. I'm getting really close to 20 years now. So I've been doing it for quite a while and I started out, um, Right out of college, I got an associate's degree um, at Metro here in Omaha, Nebraska. And I started out um, doing agency work right out the gate. I got really lucky and got um, a couple of really good internships, um, a really couple of great internships, a couple of really good um, large ad agency jobs that I worked for quite a while until mm -hmm. I got my first full-time gig. And so I think that was a six year stint about, and then, um, the recession hit mm -hmm. and some things kind of changed in the industry getting a job was, it's sort of between two things. I sort of wanted to go back to school cause I always wanted to get my bachelor's degree and, um, you know, I already had the associates and I just needed to do a little less than two years. And so, um, I also really wanted to get my hands on some, I wanted some tactile um, design experience because I was just so digital and I was just doing everything. So everything was just looking so flat and digital to me that I really wanted to get back in touch with um, like handwork and analog design techniques and whatnot. So I, I went back to school and then I graduated with, um, it's a, a studio art degree, but I spent most of my time letter pressing. So doing a lot of very tactile design. So doing a lot of things, um, do letterpress and printmaking was my, I guess, 
not my minor, but just sort of my specialization. Mm-hmm. And then um, I worked for a paper making studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I did a lot of letter pressing and really jobs start to finish from making the paper and the job to wrapping and putting the price tag on things. So like mm-hmm. really full, full circle of the design process there. Mm-hmm. And then Lincoln's where I started teaching. And then I went from um, a community college in Lincoln to Upper Academia in Omaha, Nebraska, and taught for eight years. And then now I'm back in the design industry after eight years of teaching and design, so teaching design. And so I've been in a couple of spots now. I found myself very happily at Digbug. That's the agency yeah. Chelsea and I own. If you listen to our last episode, which I hope you did to get you yourself yeah. here. Yeah. The lady owned business with some powerful badass MFOs. Oh, wait. Can we do? Beep. Yeah, can we do like cussing? I said mild cussage, okay. but not from her. Did I say that? <laughs> I don't know. You said if it happens, it happens. If we and need I'm, to bleep it, we can. I'm going to refrain, but it, you can do all the cussing you want. Bleep. I think they're hilarious, so <laughs> I love a bleep. I'm I'm the editor, so I can bleep whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever I want. Bleep. Yeah, bleep my whole name. This is Megan worked at beep. Beep. I, I love the implica- implication of whatever a bleep yeah. is supposed to hold place for. Yeah. You have to think. It's so yeah, much funnier. Yeah. It's true. I think it's, I was going to say, I think it's really neat that you have that teacher background. Mm-hmm. I, I guess one of my questions for you, since you, you did take a, you, you did have a season of teaching people. Like what did that kind of perspective did that give you on the design world and like you as a designer, rather than like having to go and teach designers to know that space and then kind of like working at an agency, how, what kind of perspective did that give you? That's a great question. It did a ton for me creatively and it gave me so I have so much creative direction experience now from teaching because I was just the creative director for up to 35 people in some classes. So hundreds of people (laughs) have sat in front of me and I've had to lead them from um, concept to the most creation possible. And so I learned a lot, which I think this sort of changes when you're in an agency. It's very different because there's, I don't want to say power dynamic, but there's just like a different in a relationship but um when you're when you're working with other people it's not quite because students do get a little afraid i i I digress slightly and i'll come back but students (laughs) do get a little afraid to like they don't know how to speak their mind so when you're with your coworkers, they do a little bit differently so i do think it changes a bit differently because because all of a sudden you've created a project and you're like no we no we're getting somewhere i'm bringing you to what to, to your vision. And mm-hmm. see, I've kind of had to learn a lot of ways to navigate me actually designing something <laughs> via a person. Mm-hmm. That was um, a big lesson because I, I didn't want to, because there, I, I think early on in my career, I was pushing students very hard all around me to like do the best thing they could possibly do. And then looking around and realizing that a lot of these projects were too much a piece of me if that makes sense to like the classroom was maybe 
like the skill, even the skill, the skill I pushed them to like what I know. And I think that can be good. And this is very debatable. So I'm sure if any educators are listening, um, you, you want to push them as far as they can go. So the projects might not be quite as, I'm not going to say good, but quite as challenging to them as mm-hmm. they could be in some ways, but it's what they can do. It's what they can produce. It's the limits. So that's really hard kind of like mm. not putting yourself into a lot of students' projects, but I, I really learned it. I really had a system down towards the end. So uh, to answer your question, Chelsea, a ton of creative direction, a ton of ideation, a ton of, like, I, I feel like this is still hard all the time, but, but like really understanding my process and how I come to my ideas and how I kind of come to my workflow, I really got an amazing sort of, I have an amazing, amazing path that's so much different from when I was teaching about how to get something produced. I don't have as much sort of that panic in the beginning of a project. I know I just go through my steps and things are going to, they're going to find them. They're going to evolve. They're going to show themselves. So that really changed. Um, students constantly showed me new ways of doing things. I, I love my students who would watch tutorials because they could come and they could bring it into the class and students were constantly teaching me new things that they were learning. So I think that there was a good little symbiosis there. Probably the big things. The thing that I think I missed out the most in teaching was probably the new technology of process of an agency or how a particular agency goes through process or just little things in programs that are different now than they were when I, because I never had to like, I never had to finalize a lot of stuff because I was, yeah. So there was a lot of, there's a, there was a big curve uh, curve coming out of teaching doing that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you learn a ton about, management honestly you learn a ton about creative direction you learn a ton about the capacity of of ideation for certain things um i i learned almost too much i think in a lot of directions about thing about type and um like grid structures and stuff to where it's almost paralyzing the yeah. amount of rules you know yeah. like that gets but I find that stuff kind of breaking away a little bit and coming mm-hmm. into breaking out of the, these sort of the rigid, the, the rigidness of like, I guess the bullet points that I would put on a project that I just want people to understand. Cause like retention is, I think the average retention of a class is somewhere around 20%. Mm-hmm. So you have to over teach a ton so that yes. they, they have that 20% is bigger yeah. And it would be if you undertop them. So sometimes mm-hmm. students feel like they learned a ton and, and really, you know, they're walking away with like a margin of that and each one of their 20% is different. And mm-hmm. so that can be really challenging. So but I also did learn a lot about organizing a lesson and so, sort of so organizing like the introduction of an idea. It's been like into the design world. I guess this is a whole nother topic. I'm not a teaching. <laughs> well, so as you're thinking and as you're kind of talking about some of these things, you know, what are some of those practices that you learn, some of those processes, some the creative direction and all that stuff that you yeah. really like learned during teaching that you've brought in to Daycloud? Because, you know, well, I guess you were out of teaching yeah. for about a year. 
you freelanced, yeah. you worked at another agency or so, I think uh, did a couple of different things. And then you have since also come to Daycloud um, mm -hmm. and been with us for a while as well. And so like, what are some of those things that you picked up during teaching that you've been able to like implement and bring into practice here? I think well, I haven't. I was going to say, like, I think I've seen quite a bit of that with some of like designers that come into day cloud and how you teach and how you coach and how you talk to them and yeah. talk them through some of the day cloud processes, which is really mm -hmm. neat to see. Mm -hmm. Share yeah, some okay. of that stuff. I would definitely say for me, I do a brainstorming and ideation specific process for myself, which Liz um, definitely gets brought in right away with. Uh, illustrating concepts so like dr even having some kind of communication there about this is going and i want you to approve these particular lots of check-ins before things are built too much i would say that's something yeah. i've learned not a ton like uh micromanaging but just we're at this stage check in at this stage we're at the stage check in at that stage mm -hmm. and i've put myself in a place where I've tried to, I guess, support Liz as the position I was, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So to really, to be the best representative of what worked for me or what I see works for Liz. So I think that's, so like this, taking feedback X and like involving her in the process and like understanding sort of when to step in with rationale and when not to step in with rationale and um like sort of um i guess so well i would say collecting questions for specific times but liz just she's so great at answering questions whenever you have them so i don't really do that too much here just like liz but really like about like you like understanding i guess being sort of in it's really helped me be in sort of um, a position where like I'm highlighting Liz's creative direction, I think. And mm. I'm, I'm really trying to be trying to make this process because ultimately like you are supporting, like that is your funnel to everything. That's your funnel to all creative work. So I think it has really helped me as a designer, be able to talk and to think and to ideate and to make sure that I'm sketching ideas before I get too far or make sure I'm not too far in a design before I'm off path. I've also um, kind of promoted, we haven't done a lot of this lately because projects have been like a little different than they kind of ebb and flow different yeah. projects, but an initial check-in and mm -hmm. then a process check-in and then mm -hmm. an initial check-in and then um, like something mm -hmm. that is before a client, before mm -hmm. client sees. And mm -hmm. then, or um, so let's see, I'm trying to think what else. Also like the brainstorming technique that I, I brought in and there's, yeah. I have some other stuff like that. Like yeah. just getting, which, you know, for anybody listening, there's a brainstorming technique. It's called the, Oh geez. It's three numbers. It's like the six, five, three, you get six people with five ideas, three times, something like that. And you mm -hmm. pass it around and it's a really quick ideation or like a really quick brainstorming um, mechanism to, to, to get things on paper and help those people that don't necessarily do well at shouting out. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't had a ton of, uh, 
experience at Daycloud yet leading quite the way that I have the potential to. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the future when, um, and, and I think that even might change like fairly quickly. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I think I've been here almost a year soon. So mm-hmm. there was definitely, I always think, and I, and this is, this is a industry thing that like really irks me, but I think it takes you a year to understand the cycle of where you're at, to really understand like how things work and really absorb in that second year you should be flying. Mm-hmm. But, um, but some people say designers should be adaptable and you should be able to come in in like three to six months. And I get three to six months might make sense, but you, as far as like producing at, a, at a, maybe a work level, but that first year is really where you're like, I got this. You should be feeling like that. And um, I, I agree. Yeah. I think any job, I think I've heard that it takes at least six months to even kind of know what your role is. And then the bathroom is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. So I mean, some jobs yeah. for sure. And then uh, for sure, at least a, about a year is when you should be like, oh, I feel like I have uh, some things under my belt. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what my goals are. I know what my role is, you know? And even then I think you're still kind of learning some of the like big picture stuff. Um, so I totally agree with you that a year is a full cycle. I think it's like if understanding like small agency life, you're bouncing from like a branding project to a website project. So there's like, mm-hmm. or like small projects in between. So the processes are different mm-hmm. and to get a full feel of the processes, you have to kind of do it at least mm-hmm. kind of be like, Oh, well I got this now. So I'm like, I don't think that encompasses that three to six month timeline. No like, way. Like oh, a girl. year definitely mm-hmm. to get that repetition, get the, like the practice in and mm-hmm. then understand the company that you're working for. For yeah. sure. I feel very strongly about from concept to completion mm-hmm. that that is, if you've done that once, that's next time should be like, oh, the first time I did this, I have a question about this. The first time I did this, but I have a question about, you can't say, oh, well, we, we went through brainstorming and we went through concept development twice on two different things. So you should have it done for the third. No, you haven't gone from like, the full circle of a job. So it's still, you don't really know like, when yeah. I this, then I that, when I this, then I, mm-hmm. I mean, that could be the way I, I'm thinking and my, and the way I think and my mm-hmm. um, ability to like learn and adapt, but really a full cycle of a job is when I start understanding what comes next and what I do here and yeah. ask better questions after yeah. I've done a full cycle of a job, I yeah. suppose. So um, whenever you think about you know, um, some of the lessons that you've learned coming to day cloud versus, or like being a day cloud versus some of the past agencies that you've worked yeah. at, not, not, not like teaching, but like other agencies versus day cloud. What yeah. are like, what are like one or two that, um, maybe three that are like really highlighted for you? So if you have any state cloud bad practices, leave them out of this podcast. We don't need to do it. Just tell us after the podcast so that we can make it right. Okay. Well, the caveat I was going to say is um, all, I think all of these things are, they're, they're what I think are, are bad practices. And oh, sure. Everybody thinks they're bad practices. Yeah. Um, 
So even if there's something where the two of you are like, oh, we kind of do that, just feel free to chime in on, on me. And <laughs> Chelsea and I are like, actually, Megan, we chime totally. in about your yeah, like, this one feels targeted. Yeah, <laughs> is this one really about Jake Cloud? <laughs> your question, Liz, is what? So, what are? Say, can you ask your question one more time? Uh, well, we could do a couple different ways, and maybe that's why my question okay. was confusing. But um, my question really was like, what are some practices that you've oh. seen at Day Cloud versus? what you have um, experienced at other agencies. So like maybe some like, oh, like good and bad versus. Oh, or- okay. Yeah. Well, you can start with the bad practices of other agencies and just <laughs> tie in what you like about Daycloud. Daycloud right off the bat is a little, I, I don't want to say like looser in any kind of an unprofessional way, but just more <laughs> like the rigidity is free to like the lack of rigidity is freeing and obviously you've got to get your thing, get things done and, you know, be professional and like do good work and keep things as tight as possible. But there is, there, there are a lot of designers that I know there's a saying, like we're not saving babies here and you know, we're not in the night. I think someone recently said they're working at a place and someone said, this is not a hospital, you know, like, and I think there is somewhat of that mentality in not a way that the work isn't serious and not a way that the work isn't important, but in that we are human. This is a space like that you can learn and grow and change in and um, you're not stifled by a seriousness in, in the design world that I think holds a lot of people back. Mm. I suppose. So I see that at Daycloud, which mm. I've definitely worked at other places that very much are not like that. And um, that can be really challenging and stressful mm. and just really anxiety inducing and anything, you know, like the slightest kerning mistake, you're like sick about it for the rest of the night, <laughs> things like that. And so I think that is really good because I think that's where people feel a lot of freedom to change because they're not so focused on being perfect in what they know, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's good to be an expert in what you, know. I guess I, I'm going to constantly go back to that. Like, yes, it is important to have wonderful, really tight, beautiful work. But I think people feel a bit of a freedom to branch out when they don't feel this perfectionism yeah. rigidity. Um, I would also say that, uh, our process is really Wait, interesting. Do you, do you mind if we park on that for just a second? Because oh, I, yeah, I obviously have thoughts about that. And yeah. that is, that, that is a very purposeful, um, like I have curated that culture on purpose, right? Um, because I believe that, well, so like I am a, perfectionist. Surprising. Mm -hmm. I know because we literally just got Mm -hmm. done talking about how our culture is not about perfectionism, but I am. And I, I try really, really hard to, um, facilitate a, a culture of excellence versus a culture of perfectionism. And I think, I guess that is my language for explaining kind of like what you're talking about how we try to do amazing work and 
still like hit the mark and still do great, you know, at what it is that we're doing. And so like, I'm always trying to make sure that like what we're doing is excellent. But I also believe that I employ humans. <laughs> and so, and human beings are innately, uh, I believe, broken and innately just going to screw things up because I know I do all the time, right? And so like, I can't expect perfection from my staff and my employees because I know that I can't be perfect and I am not mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can't hold my people to a standard that I can't even hold myself, right? And so that's part of that culture. And then, you know, I've also, I heard it was either Wyden or Kennedy. I don't remember which one it was, <laughs> but I heard him say that um, creatives all in their, in their environment, they always have to feel like they are safe in their environment because it allows them to take risks in their work. Um, because if they don't feel safe in their work environment, then they're not going to be able to take risks with their work. And so I've always, I've really latched on to that with the culture that we try to create at Daycloud. And I've really tried to make sure that, to your point, Megan, that our team does feel safe to fail mm -hmm. and to make a mistake and to be excellent, but not perfect, right? Yeah. And so that's always been like a something that I have strived for and curated at day cloud as a part of our culture um yeah, and and it's 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 because of that it's so that our team can feel safe enough to produce work that is risky or work that is you know like a little bit crazy or you know whatever it needs to be so that our work can mm -hmm. be like risky enough right mm -hmm. but they feel safe in their jobs because yeah. in order to balance that out i i i lean towards everything has to be perfect you guys <laughs> i demand perfection oh guys. my goodness chelsea <laughs> oh god for those of you that don't know someone's got to balance the creative chelsea guru. is anti-perfection <laughs> oh my goodness so anti but, yeah but that's i mean i'm i'm so glad you brought that up because i I guess I didn't even really realize that that was an undercurrent part of our culture, but I'm so glad that you brought that up because that makes me so happy that you feel that because it absolutely oh, is true. I think there's been a couple of places, a couple of places I can think of um, that say things like we can make mistakes here and it'll be like a tenant of their culture, but yet you have three meetings about the mistake you made when Holy. you make a mistake. Holy And moly. so, and <laughs> so it doesn't, you know, you are quote unquote forgiven and, um, you, you know, but, but that is not dead in you that there is a consequence that, that you kind of go to, you, you have to sort of defend it or be in a meeting or a post-mortem review where you have to sort of talk about this mistake. And I think those can be good. I think the reviewing a project, what went good, what went bad here, and sort of everybody freely saying like, I made a mistake here and I made a mistake, but I've 
been places where you make a mistake and you hear about it from your manager and then you hear about it from the person that manages them and then it comes up in a performance review and then someone writes it in an anonymous assessment and then you have a postmortem about the idea. And by that point, you've heard about this mistake you've made at least five or six time and times and yeah. you're just beaten down. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Beaten down. <laughs> and it can be really hard on you. And yeah. I know from experience with Liz that if I make a mistake, it is almost, almost me. Well, this has happened, but I've reminded her that I made a mistake and she's <laughs> forgotten about it, which is unusual <laughs> and shows that she is that yeah. we are past that and we're mm -hmm. on to the next thing and we truly are working on the next thing. And I truly do have the room to learn and change because, and, and I don't, I do think like repeated mistakes are a thing or a large mistakes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's different sort of like metrics of measurement for all of those things. Yeah. But like, I can say from experience that I don't feel like the same kind of panic that I know that there is going to be yeah. an impact I'm going to have to feel after such and such has happened yeah. or even when someone else does. So like even when another designer makes a mistake or somebody, um, the copywriter does something wrong. I know I'm not going to have to go to two meetings about this. And <laughs> so, so that's good. Yeah. Cause thank you God know. for Liz being 50 and having dementia. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was very targeted, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's good. I, 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 I do think, um, like that, that the environment of grace and seeing grace in action in mm -hmm. the workplace is something at day cloud. I haven't seen quite the level hmm. anywhere else hmm. where, where I have seen people in my short time here. I've seen people fall on their face and they are immediately it's like what do we got to do now where are we at got to get done to get this what, what do we have to do next how can we avoid this happening in the future and i think that i think that liz and chelsea are walking the walk we're walking their talk yeah or like they're they're putting their money where their mouth is when yeah. it comes to that you know yeah. and there might be a little joking about it. you're not you're not belaboring the point and that, that I yeah. think does a lot to, especially designers who I think we go through so much mental labor to do our job yeah. in the first place. Yeah. That, and it, it gets so incredibly difficult. And this is something I've dealt with really recently, but it gets so incredibly difficult to like switch your brain off from design mode to like checking mode mm -hmm. to like proofing proofreading mm -hmm. you know like yeah. it gets so incredibly difficult to do those things it's just um like knowing that I'm in a place where someone can say to me you know this is a problem don't do this again or like we look unprofessional here or something like that like a small thing that happens and I know that it's like no, they really mean this is a mistake and it's something we need to be careful about, but like, I'm not going to see this six more times. We're not going to talk about this six more times. I know yeah. I'm not going to have a, you know, if we mention it, it's the most we can do about it is not do it again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I think yeah. it's a piece of being like a small 
business, we don't, and with a small team, we don't have time to micromanage you or belabor belabor the mistakes that we make because everyone's going to make mistakes. It's a fast paced agency. And when everyone's Mm -hmm. running around, something's bound to happen. Mm -hmm. And we, it's just kind of inevitable piece of working at an agency and working in a team environment. To that point though, Even being a small agency, you can be a micromanager and you can be someone that is a big time control freak and, you know, all that stuff. But I think it's, I think it's the way that Chelsea and I choose to lead and our, you know, the the style that we want to manage is to be open-handed with our people and to be trusting and to choose always choosing the benefit of the doubt for our people and Mm -hmm. always choose choosing like you know like we're here to empower you we're here to hook you up and to see you do what you do best every day and i'm not here to i'm not here to babysit I'm not here to babysit. I don't want to babysit. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You said a really key word there, which is trust here. And like even trust, despite someone making an error is kind of a a quip way to say what I'm trying to say. There's still trust there. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely had it said to me that I haven't been trusted before, Mm. even just based off of my curiosity alone, Mm. just my because you, you both know I have like um, a real appetite for like learning and asking questions mm-hmm. and maybe asking the same thing until I really understand it two or three different ways. And, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like you both walk the talk of saying, um, I have hired you. You are the expert here of that. Be the expert here of that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trusting. And, and giving to you. And so like the ownership of that is also something to be proud of. And I think that trust of um, really lets the person in that role sort of carry their title and say, you know, I am the expert here. I am the person in charge of this. And I do, I do understand that this is the best method or this is the right idea. Mm -hmm. Just empowering, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. What else? Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah. Perfectionism um, was a big one. Oh man, boy, I've been in so many, I, so many instances. Cause I, I mean, I don't know. I must've worked like 115 places. I said like all agencies, all different sizes, all different kinds of people, all different kinds of work environments. Um, cause I did this, I, I, it's not necessarily freelancing. It was agency freelancing. So I'd be yeah. at one place for three months and then I'd be another place for two weeks. And then how I'd many, be in another place. for. How many agencies have you been a part of? Just numbers. Like mm-hmm. I think like you can give a rough estimate too. I think like, I'm going to say 15, something like that. It's been a, it's wow. been a lot. So I, like I've just, I've done like, not like a part of, but like, Worked done for, work for yeah. and been in that environment and done things for yeah uh, like different kinds of work environments so it, because that's when they were the agency freelancing world like you went in you brought your stuff in you worked there for the day right and you came in every day and at the end of the day you hoped you were coming back tomorrow mm-hmm. and like, that was extremely stressful and yeah. I don't recommend it and I hope they're not doing. I hope they're not doing those practices because people will take them while they're looking for something else. But, um, yeah. but it was extremely stressful. It would be like, 
oh, you're on this project for two weeks and then like a project gets cut and then you didn't hear from an agency for a month and then they're like, hey, we have a three month job for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a lot. It was stressful. Yeah. I think if I had had another source of income and I was doing it different, well, I did, but I had like a night job at the time, but, but then like you, you take, so I was working, like if we were just saying I was working, like how much we were working in our twenties, but I was working two jobs, but that meant when things were famine, I just had one job <laughs> and that went, that when things were feast, I had over 60 hours a week, two jobs, you know, yeah, or like, I guess almost 80. I don't like, yeah. So it, it was just a ton. I remember being like really exhausted. Mm-hmm. I guess that um, kind of like ties into like, well, as we're like wrapping this up, but like, what kind of advice would you give like, designers starting oh out, um, like coming out of college freelance to like possibly looking to work for somebody? <laughs> I know. We're right at that, that 40 so minute much. mark. I know. I'm like, um, I might have to come back. We're going to have a series. Two. Yeah. I think we're going to have a series <laughs> on this one. Cause there are so many, I have a couple, couple things of um, advice for designers. Uh, if you're seeing that an agency is having a lot of very short stints, you're going to work hard there. Just walk in knowing you're going to work hard there. Like, if you see somebody was like there for a year, somebody's there for six months, somebody's there a lot of that. And I think that can be very different nowadays because things are very different in these last two or three years. But if you see a, a very vivid pattern of that over a six year, just no, I'm not saying it's bad to work there. I'm not saying you don't want to work there. I'm just saying, no, you're going to hustle. You're just mm-hmm. going to hustle. Yeah. Um, I would say also say, um, believe all stories from everybody that's worked everywhere, everything you hear, just believe it and let them live all as truths. Yeah. Like they're yeah. all those people's truths, right? They're mm-hmm. all those people's experiences. It's, it's sort of that thing where it's like, understand like the spectrum of people's experiences and know that like somewhere you fit mm-hmm. and that's not going to be so like, you don't want to say so-and-so says it's a bad place to work. I don't want to work there. It's, know that that was their fit. That was their experience. If that makes sense to me hmm. or if that makes sense to you. So like, you're not saying like, heed the warning of those people necessarily. You're walking in there saying like, this is what I have in common with this person. And this is how I am like them. And they had this experience. What does that tell me about mm-hmm. working there? Mm-hmm. So like you can really identify because I, I really surprised myself with some places fit in really well with places people said they had a hard time at and fit in really badly in places people said they had a great time at. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so it's, it's just, it really is different. It's more of like, like heed the warning of those people, but yeah. don't let it keep you from like going in for an opportunity. Yeah. Just more of like, um, just walk into that opportunity with your eyes wide open, knowing that, Hey, there are some things that have been said and you just know that it could go poorly based on what those people have yeah. said. Is that kind of what you mean? And believe the good as much as the bad. Yeah. Like, okay. You like when yeah. you hear good things, believe people. Yeah. Don't let just you know horrible things like because all you'll hear me say like, oh no, I had a bad experience here, didn't work out there, 
And then at the end, I'll go, well, what? I don't know. That, that was me, you know, like that was, that was my experience. And I'm a particular kind of person. And so I think like, um, especially in agency world, there's a lot of very strong personalities and a lot of very mm -hmm. just like, there's a wide spectrum of personality. Oh, yeah. So, so like, mm-hmm. you know, to your point of like, there's, there's a lot of specific styles of people all over the board for different agencies. And so I think yeah. you're right. There's different cultures and different, um, communication styles and just work styles and things for you mm. know, all the different agencies around. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a particular, even to the first point, I guess I should say there's a particular agency I was thinking of when I was talking about the first point about like the years there that like really good designers always there for two years, or always there for two years, or always there for two years. And I think that's how long it takes for them to burn out at that particular place. Mm-hmm. They just burn out over and over and just really good people. And what I've heard from them is, why don't you work there anymore? Mm-hmm. which I think you could do that anyway but I guess I wanted to go back and say that yeah and then to the to the second point yeah it's just believe the full full spectrum of people's experiences and understand that you are different and so I do think when it comes um to working somewhere that like you know, nobody is a hundred percent put in a hundred percent evil. Mm-hmm. You're going to land somewhere. And, and some people I've walked into the same environments with people that have thrived where I was looking around going, what is going on around here? And they yeah. loved it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it really is, it really is like your unique experience. Yeah. And those aren't failures too. I think that's like another, another thing I would always tell students is, um, well, I mean, you can say they're failures because failures are good, but those are always steps to get you to the place that you need to be or somewhere where you're going to be thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, So you might be like, oh gosh, I was only here for six months and it didn't work out. Or, you know, you left after a year or something like that. All that is getting you to the place you need to be. And I I think like you have to understand that that isn't like, it's not a mark of your career. It's not a mark of who you are. It's not a mark of any kind. It's not a mark on that place, really, specifically, you know? Like, really, my only point there is just know you're going to hustle mm-hmm. <laughs> if you see that happening. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, just, like, those little bumps are could be bumps that are lifting you up. Mm-hmm. You just have to... I mean, I've fallen on my face so many times and I get back up and I always find myself better... You know, after I pick up the pieces over and over again, I'm, I'm resilient. And I think mm-hmm. as a designer, you have to be. And if you want to do this, you will be. And I think that's kind of a lesson you have to learn on your own, but just know that it happens to all of us. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have like 12 other things. So some other time, maybe <laughs> I'll come back. Love agency bad, pra- bad practices, good and bad practices yeah. series too. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us today. I know. Golly. Oh my goodness. I loved hearing your insight and journey as a designer. Mm-hmm. And then any, all the advice that you have for young designers and creatives out there in our next one episode, more thing. Um, yeah. The biggest advice of anybody's ever listening to this is invest in your 401k. In your <laughs> Seriously. I as, as soon as you're able to start putting money, stashing money away. In your 401k. 
We'll bring That's Andrew awesome. in for one of our episodes to talk about yeah. financial or designers. <laughs> student advice. That's always at the end of class. I would always be like, all right, you guys are heading out there into the world. Uh, one piece of advice for you. <laughs> yes. Save for retirement as early as possible. As early as starting at 18. Start yeah. at age 18. All right. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be dis- discussing branding with a very special guest that got done branding her business with us. So tune in next week to find out who and what um, the branding experience was like for her. If you like our podcast and uh, like the content that we're talking about, please like, share, follow, or have, if you have any questions or feedback, make sure it's good. I'd love to hear it. Bye-bye. Okay,